We have been uh, in a series on the Holy Spirit, what it means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what it means to be immersed into the Holy Spirit, what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, where are you getting all these words like baptized and filled with and controlled by? Getting these from the Bible, from the Word of God. And if it's in the Word of God, we need to investigate it. We need to find out what God is teaching us. We're looking at the essential elements of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. And we're in the book of Galatians. If you have your Bible, you want to go ahead and turn there. We'll also have most of the scriptures up on the screen today. You are encouraged to take notes. We don't mind if you do that, but I can give you a better way. If you will email me or send me a Facebook message, I will be happy to send you the very sermon notes I'm preaching from today, and you can just sit back and chill and uh, get these uh, already printed out for you or already in a document form for you, but uh, that is totally up to you on that. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3. We're not going to read that. We're just going to go back and review. Look at, oh, wow, I did not know that bald spot was that bad. That's terrible. <laughs> I really, I really want to work with our media. As soon as you see me turn, if you guys could just get rid of that middle picture real quick, because it's really <laughs> scary for me. All right, all right. Wow, that was devastating. All right. Paul says to the people at Galatia, and look, this is our challenge today. This is our challenge. Some of us started well. Some of us started well. We started in the Spirit. But then as time went on and life got more routine, we got out of our disciplines. And we began to try to do in the flesh what we cannot do in the flesh. And we're going to talk about what that word flesh means today. But we're trying to do in our carnal bodies, we're trying to do in our human abilities only what can be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying to the church at Galatia, hey guys, you started out great, but then you have drifted. How many of you know when you drift, you always drift in the wrong direction? You never drift in the right direction. You're not going to wake up one morning and go, you know, I think I'm a better Christian. I haven't been praying or reading my Bible or going to church, but I think I'm a better Christian than I was. You don't drift in the right direction. When you start drifting, it's always in the wrong direction. And so Paul is calling the people at Galatia out. And he's saying, you guys are drifting. You started well. You started in the Spirit. So why are you not now trying to live successfully as a Christian in your own human abilities? You're leaving God out. And then last week we went over to Galatians 5 and 16 and uh, 5 and 17 and we read about the commandment of Paul. Paul gives a command. He says, you've got to walk in the Spirit. He didn't say, if you feel like it or this is an option for you, or you can, or whatever. I mean, this is a good way. Paul said this is the only way you're going to live successfully as a believer. This is the only way you're going to live victoriously. It's the only way you're going to live triumphantly as a believer. You have to walk in the Spirit. How y'all like my t-shirt? You want to get one of those next week? We're going to have a bunch of them here next week. And uh, the money raised from this goes to the Farrell Hardison Fund. That's not true. Um, we actually are going to um, be giving the um, uh, money that we might make from these, probably a buck, a t-shirt, to a particular ministry. We've got two or three things in mind we want to do with it. And uh, so you'd be praying that God will show us exactly what we're going to do with any proceeds we make from this t-shirt. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. It is, it is how to live successfully. You cannot live successfully as a Christian in the flesh. It is only in the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit. Then he says in Galatians 5, 17, the minute you decide to walk in the Spirit, there's going to be a what? 
There's going to be a war. There's going to be a conflict. He says in that verse, the flesh wars against the spirit. And then he goes on to say, and the spirit against the flesh. And we talked about that last week. So today what we're going to do is go deeper. We're going to go deeper in our study of the biggest enemy you face. The biggest enemy you face, and I know this is hard to hear. I have to hear it too. It's the truth for me as well. This is going to hurt some of, our, some of us because we thought we had the biggest enemy tagged. We thought we had the biggest enemy identified because we bought into Flip Wilson theology that the devil makes us do everything we do wrong. And we thought the devil was our biggest enemy, but he's not. Some of you may be sitting here and you're new to the church and you're out there going, you guys really believe in a devil? Seriously? Uh, you might be out there going, I've never run into the devil. That's because you and him going in the same direction. <clears throat> you turn around and go the other way, bam, you will meet him. Right, church? And uh, here's three things we believe about the devil. He's a decided fact. He does exist. He's a destructive force. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But through the cross and the empty grave, he's a defeated foe today in your life. And the people said, amen, amen, amen. But he's not your biggest enemy. You say, oh, I know what it is. It's the system we live in. It's this world system. It's this environment of carnality that we live in. Oh, yeah, it's a big enemy. Not your biggest enemy, though. Your biggest enemy is in the mirror that's where your biggest enemy is that's where my biggest enemy is it is that inherited sin nature that we receive from Adam we are bent not toward good but we are bent toward evil that's why you never drift in the right direction because when you go in the direction of your bent you go away from God so, so you say, well, wow, I mean, it sounds like, Pastor, I'm doomed. No, you're not, because God has supplied to you his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, that if you will walk in the Spirit, you do not have to give in to your bent. You do not have to give in to the lust of your flesh. And we're talking about that and all that that means. Again, Galatians 5, 17 Paul teaches us that our human nature, our depraved nature, our fleshly desires war against the Spirit. And the Spirit of God dwells in you from the point of salvation. And we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and all of that before this series is over. But I want you to understand that your first encounter was the Holy, with the Holy Spirit was conviction of sin. Matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and tell you, there's some people sitting here this morning who since the service started, since we started singing about Jesus and singing about his love and singing about his kindness and singing about his mercy and singing about his forgiveness, you don't know exactly what it is. You kind of like it, but then again, it makes you uncomfortable. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you were moved by the video clip or maybe you were moved by the little kids miming that song about praising God in the good times and in the bad times and you're sitting out there going, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. I don't even know if I buy into any of the stuff you guys are teaching in this church. I understand that. We've all been there. We all had to make the decision to follow him and make the decision to believe. But that uncomfortableness you feel right now is that precious, precious dealing of the Holy Spirit with your heart. Dealing with your heart, showing you that you need Jesus. And you might be sitting here going, man, I'll be so glad when this service is over. i got to get out of here. I want to tell you that as uncomfortable as you may feel right now, what you are sensing is so precious. It's the voice of the Lord. It's the voice of the Lord. It's the call of God to come unto me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden, come, and I'll give you rest. He's the only place you're going to find rest from the struggles you're going through. And some of you are sitting here today and you're battling all kinds of things. You're in a bad relationship with somebody who doesn't really love you. They're just taking advantage of you. Some of you are here battling alcohol and you're battling drugs. Some of you are battling pornography. 
Some of you are battling uh, in other areas of your life. I'm telling you right now, hear the word of the Lord from the pulpit of this church today. Only Jesus can give you rest from that. Come to him. I hope you'll come to him today. But the Holy Spirit comes into us when we're saved. So what are we talking about? We're talking about really what any military man or woman understands. How many people we got here today serve in the military? Will you raise your hand just let's see you? How many of you people who are here today, you guys keep your hands up, guys and gals. How many of you uh, served at one time in the military? Will the rest of you, can we just give these people a hand? So what they teach you in the military um, is understanding the enemy. And what I'm talking to you about today is just that. Coming to an understanding of the enemy. So let's talk about our biggest enemy. What are we talking about when we talk about the flesh? Uh, before we get into that, let me just ask you to do something. This may help you a little bit. Because when you talk about battling with the flesh, when you talk about battling, even as a Christian, even as a very mature Christian, even as a sold-out, fasting, spirit-filled, praying, Bible-reading Christian, you still battle with the flesh, don't you? All of us do. But you might be sitting here thinking, you know what, one of the things the enemy tries to do, and when I talk about the enemy right now, I'm talking about Satan. One of the things he tries to do is isolate you and make you think the struggles you have, nobody else has. He tries to make you think that the, the difficulties you have and the temptations you have, nobody else has. You're worse than everybody else. So we're just going to eliminate that right now. I want you to, I want you to just uh, think about the best Christian you know. Think about the best Christian you know that's alive right now. Now, how many of you are thinking about me? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want you to think about the best Christian you know. I want you to think about somebody you admire for their walk with God. Listen to me. That person struggles with their flesh. That person. Billy Graham. I don't know what you struggle with when you're in your 90s. <laughs> But he struggles. Everybody struggles with their flesh. You will not end that struggle. That struggle will not be over until you walk into heaven. It is then that that struggle will be over. So we're going to look at it today, and Paul's going to tell us about it. Well, um, there are five ways in the Bible that the word flesh is used. And I'm going to go through those real quickly. Five ways. The Greek word, because I want y'all to know how smart I am, the Greek word for flesh is the word sarxis, S-A-R-X-I-S, and it is used in several ways in Scripture. Let's look at them. All right, go to the first one. The first one is that flesh can be referring to the physical body, skin and bone and muscles and hair and eyes and fingers and toes. So when the Bible uses the word flesh, you have to understand the context to get the deeper meaning of that passage. You with me? And really, guys, i got to tell you, there's so much available to you for free now to really understand the Scriptures that if you don't grasp little things like this, it's just because you're not doing your due diligence. You're not putting in the, the work. It's very easy uh, to discover this on your own. Flesh can mean physical body, as in Luke 24, 39. It says a spirit, which is the opposite of flesh, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. So, so when it talks about flesh in that verse, it's talking about the physical body. So let's go to the next one. Uh, the word flesh can also uh, speak of our sin nature. And that's really... The primary thing we're dealing with in this sermon series is our sin nature. Now, I want you to look at this verse right here. I just love Paul today in our sermon because Paul is getting real, buddy. He is getting just down where it is. The thing I love about Paul is he is so transparent about his own struggles. And so Paul talks to us here. He says, for I know that in me... That is in my flesh. Everybody say those next three words with me. 
Now, when he said that about himself, he was saying that about me, and he was saying it about you guys out there. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Can I tell you that that's the whole problem with the world system right there? Because the world thinks there is something good in us, and we don't need God. But the fact is that there is nothing good in us and in order for us to get good and go to heaven when we die, we need some outside help. And that outside help is the Lord Jesus Christ coming into our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the people said, okay, so nothing good dwells in Paul. Now, if nothing good dwelt in Paul, I know nothing good dwells in you guys. Or me, uh, let me throw that in there, or me. Look what he says. For to will is present with me. In other words, I want to do good. I want to do right. My desire is to do right. It is present with me. But how to do it, how to actually do what is good, perform what is good, and he's talking about inside him, He goes, I do not, what? Find it in me. He says, I don't find it in me. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Paul actually says this in two or three places in the scripture. And what he's talking to us about is his war. His battle. Is Paul a Christian here? Of course. Is Paul filled with the Spirit here? Absolutely. Is Paul sanctified? Absolutely. But he's still battling. He's still battling with his flesh. He's still being very honest with us about that. And and he's saying that it is a process. It is a process uh, of growing in our holiness and growing in our purity and growing in our, righteous, no, in our righteousness. So in Romans 7, Paul speaks personally about the evil that is in him and the bad desires that rise up through his flesh. And, and here it means inherited sin nature. It, it means what we got from Adam. His, it, Paul's talking about his fallen condition, his bent toward evil. Now let's look at the third way the word flesh is used. In the Bible, self-effort, self-effort. So that's when we talk about, really, uh, you could go back, well, we do, we do actually go back to Galatians 3, where Paul was asking them, why did you start in the Spirit, but now you're trying to do it in the flesh? That really goes right back to our text, uh, Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul's Paul's talking about self-effort here. He says, are you perfected? And look, don't be confused by that word now, because I don't want you to get the idea that perfection's possible in this world. Because it isn't possible. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You're going to skin your knee. You're going you're to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to sometimes be rebellious. Sometimes that nature in you is going to rise up and you're going to go, who was that? I mean, you're going to think you've got stuff under your feet. You're going to think you've got something in total control. You're going to think you have got it whipped. And all of a sudden, that thing's going to rise up in you and spit something out, and you're going to go, wow, I thought that was gone. I thought that wasn't in me anymore. Y'all with me out there? And so Paul says, are you, so, so that word perfected really means being perfected. We're always in the process. What did I tell you? The Christian life is a what? A walk. Or in my case, because I'm so cool, it is swag. <laughs> Doubters among us. It is strutting for Jesus, amen? All right? So, so uh, he says, are you, everybody say being perfected. Being perfected. Are you being perfected? You know what he's asking them? Are you growing in your intimacy with God? Are you growing in your dependency on the Holy Spirit? He says, are you per- perfected? Are you growing spiritually by your own self-effort? What's the answer to that? No. Your self-effort doesn't make you holier. Listen to this little statement. You've heard me say it a bunch of times. Holiness 
does not get you any closer to Jesus. That's where this whole thing of works comes from, where people think if I do enough, he will love me more. If I do enough spiritual stuff, if I do enough good works, he will love me more. Can I just mess you up right there? There is nothing you can do to make him love you more. Because his love is to the max all the time. There's actually nothing you can do to make him love you less. You can go out of here and rob a convenience store on your way home. He will love you the same. He will be hurt because he is your father at your actions, but his love for you never changes. You can't do anything to make God love you any more than he already loves you. You say, well, why should I even do anything good then? Because when he's in you, you want to do good. And the more he controls you and the more of the Holy Spirit that abides in you and the more you're filled with the Holy Spirit and the more you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the more you want to do what you know God wants you to do. It no longer is a a discipline. It is a delight. It is a delight to do his will. And so we see people all the time. And I'm not here to bash on anybody. But we see people who go door to door. And we see people who go on mission trips. And we see people who do good works with their fingers crossed that they will be loved by God, that they will be accepted into heaven, that they will be one of the few that... I don't know how you live like that. I mean, the thief on the cross beside of Jesus had zero good works. Zero. He was a thief. He was being crucified because of the wrong he had done over and over and over. But he believed on Jesus right there hanging on the cross. And Jesus forgave him and said, I will see you in paradise today. We are saved by trusting Christ. We are not saved by good works. Um. I don't want to bring any confusion about water baptism, but some people were um, ran, some people from our church ran into some people from somewhere else, and um, these people were telling them that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. You have to be water baptized. Well, you should be water baptized. You should receive water baptism, if for no other reason, just so I can hold you under till you say tithe. But the the thief on the cross never received water baptism, but Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise today. Now, that is not an excuse for you to not receive water baptized. I I tell you what, if you get crucified before we can get you baptized, I'm going to let you off. (laughs) I don't think everybody wants to go that route, do you? My point is that water baptism is not salvation. It really isn't any part of your salvation. It is a public testimony. You are identifying with Christ. You're saying, I am dead to the old life. I am resurrected into new life in Christ. That's why we receive water baptism, not to save us. Water baptism doesn't save us. It is a testimony of uh, what has already happened in our life. And um, um, it's important that you do that. So, so... Let's, if you're a Christian, if you've received Christ, it's important that you sign up and get baptized. One of the major reasons you need to get baptized is because Jesus said to do it. So when you do it, you're obeying him. When you, when you say, I'm just not going to do it, you're disobeying him. Amen? Can I preach like that? I think I just did. Number four, the flesh can also mean your human weakness or helplessness. As in Romans 6, 19, when it uses the word infirmity of our flesh. The infirmity of our humanity. Now what this is talking about, and this is very important for you because we're getting to know our enemy today. We're getting to know our enemy, and when you get to know your enemy and how your enemy works, you can defeat your enemy through the power of God. Amen? So we're understanding the enemy, and the enemy is us. The enemy's in the mirror. Now, what this this word for flesh means is an 
is, is an innate inside us weakness or disability to achieve anything that honors God. In other words, you don't have anything in you apart from God that would, that would enable you to do something that would bring honor to him. You can only bring honor to God with your life through a relationship with him and he empowers you because of that relationship and your good works come not out of just your good human, um, uh, you know, the, the milk of human kindness. There, there's, that, there's that terminology in our society today, the milk of human kindness. I'm not saying people can't be good people who don't know Christ. I know good people who haven't yet come to Christ, don't you? My point is that the only way you honor God is to be a servant of God. You have, re, you have um, uh, uh, humbled your life before him. You have received him as your personal savior. And out of that relationship comes good works. And those are the only kinds of good works that honor God. Did that make sense right there? You, you can't say, God, I really don't want you in my life, but I'm going to go work at the soup kitchen and honor you. You can go work at the soup kitchen, and we appreciate it, but you can't honor God until you first submit your life to God. It's good preaching right there. <clears throat> the fifth way that flesh is used is to describe our condition before we were saved. It describes our overall condition before we were converted. Look what it says, Romans 7, 5. Before we were saved, we were in the flesh we were in the flesh before our conversion so when it comes to describing flesh when it comes to understanding it when it comes really guys this is very important to interpreting scripture correctly we need to know how it is being used it could be the physical body inherited sin nature it could be our own human efforts it could be our own weakness or helplessness or innate ability to honor God through good works it could be our condition before conversion. So in Romans 7, Paul speaks of the flesh in the sense of our fallen condition, our inherited sin nature, and how that nature operates in our present condition today, as we are right here today. How does the flesh operate in me? Well, let's look at some of that. Let's look at, let's look at some more information about this conflict. Romans 7.14, Paul says in Romans 7.14, up on the screen, I am a flesh, Paul says, I am a flesh sold into bondage of sin. What does that mean? He says, I am in bondage to sin. As long as I walk in this earth, there is a sin residue. There is a sin that remains. I'm converted, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, all of that. But there is a sin residue that remains in me. This sin principle remains in me as long as I'm on this earth. And it has a hold on me so that I don't, I don't always do the good thing I wish I would do. So let's read further in Romans 7, 15 and 16. You see it up on the screen. I love Paul's transparency here. I mean, i got to tell you, when I read this, I thought, man, I, I've said those very words about how I would be committed to Christ. I'd be doing all the disciplines, and, and, and I'd be really kind of walking in the Spirit. And, but, but there's still those times when that, when that old sin residue rises up in me. Look what Paul says here. He says, for what I am doing, he's talking about the, the, when he fails, when he stumbles, he says, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. I don't understand myself. <laughs> Remember we talked about that a while ago? We said sometimes, you know, you go, have you ever been like this in the Christian life? Have you ever thought, man, I think I got this thing. I think I got this thing. I mean, I, ha I have not given anybody the bird in like a month driving around. I think I'm really making some progress. I've not told anybody they're number one in a month. You ever felt like that? You, ever felt, you know, I'm having my devotion. I'm praying. I'm, man, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. And I think that's probably something that's in the past. And then all of a sudden, you're number one, you know. It's got a WC sticker on the back of the car when they went by. Bridge sticker. <clears throat> Y'all with me out there? Don't you get holy, holy on me. 
I'll come down there. He said, he said, I don't understand. He said, and here he goes. He's going to say it again. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Look at verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Now, you know, there's a whole lot in there, guys. That's some deep stuff. But let me just say what Paul's saying right there at the end is he loves the law of God. He loves the law of God. Um, I'll just be transparent with y'all. I'm glad there are speed limits. If there weren't speed limits, there'd be a lot more wrecks and a lot more people getting killed. But I don't always obey them. <clears throat> y'all look so holy out. Oh, man. Oh, y'all were like, really? I'm devastated. <clears throat> But I love the law. I don't always nail God's law. I don't always do the do's and not do the don'ts. But I, I love the law. And I know the law is what? Look at that last word. I know the law of God is what? It's good. It's good. I was going to the hospital in Greenville one time and highway patrolman pulled me over. Because I was going to see sick people. I needed to get there. And... Uh, he pulled me over, and I never argue with a highway patrolman. I never get, let me tell you people something. When that dude pulls you over and you get in his car, you be the most sanctified, spirit-filled person you can be. He's got your life in his hands. Don't get snarky. Amen? Man, I, was, I just cried like a woman and... I was just going through so much, you know. And I told one patrolman one time, I said, I'm the pastor of this church right up here. He said, well, that's good. He said, if you'll uh, slow down, you can give your money to the church instead of the state. <laughs> There's some smart aleck patrolman out there, I'm telling you right now. How many of you love the Bible? I love the Bible. I love the Bible, but sometimes I, I don't do what it says. And sometimes I do what it tells me not to do. But I love the law of God because it is best for me. And I break the laws of the land sometimes. But I love those laws because they are best for me. Paul says, I love the law. Let's go to Romans 7, 21. Then Paul talks about a law that's in him. He says, I find then another law <laughs> that tells me. And he's talking about the law of God here too. He says, I find the law of God in me that tells me that evil's present with me. So when you know the Bible... And you mess up, the law of God tells you what? You messed up. Because you can go, I don't know if that was wrong or not. And somebody can flip a scripture on you and go, yeah, I believe it was wrong. Because the law is right there. He says, so I got the law and it shows me my sin and uh, the one who wills to do good. So there, is, there are two things in you as a Christian that are helping you do good. There is the law of God, the word of God, but then there is the author of the law. Are y'all with me? There's the author of the law of God. He's also in you to help you do right and live right. Look at verse 22. Here he goes talking about how he loves the law of God again. For I delight in the law of God. According to the inward man. Paul said, I love God's word. I love his law. And then verse 23, he said, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, that's a whole bunch of stuff right there, and that's a lot of depth, and we could really spend two or three weeks on that verse. But let me just give you a quick gist there. Paul's talking there about the old covenant and how... He used to live under the law. 
and how the law was there to bring conviction and the law was there. But we're under a new covenant now. Now, are we expected to obey the law under this new covenant? Yes. But the one who wrote it is not an outside pressure on us anymore. The one who wrote it is in us, and now there's an inward motivation. Does that make sense to you? In the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit did not indwell us, did not indwell men as it does in the New Testament since the cross, since the empty grave, since the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit did not indwell men in that way before the cross, before the empty grave, before the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit didn't indwell us that way. There was outside pressure to do right, and the outside pressure to do right was created by the precious law of God. But now he says, there is a law in me, there is a spirit in me that, that motivates me to do right. Paul's talking about the war, he's talking about the battle. I want you to look at verse 24, because boy, he really gets real here. He says, I want you to read actually verse 24 with me. Oh, wretched man that I am. Look at Paul. Paul goes, I got to tell you, man, I am I mean, Paul was looking in the mirror seeing what he was. He was looking in the mirror seeing what he was. Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? This pre-heaven body. Who's going to deliver me? And then he says it in verse 25. I thank God through the work of the cross of Jesus through the work of the resurrection of Jesus that provided that the Holy Spirit would not just be the author of the law that applied outside pressure, but he would be inside of us because of what Jesus did to motivate us from the inside. Listen to me. I'm talking to you about the work of sanctification in your life. It is called... Preach, T-shirt, preach. Walking in the Spirit. Now, here's what I'm going to do, and I know my time is limited. Paul, let me, let me just, I love the way the message, uh, do you guys use the message in your, in your study? If you're here today, because there's some negative stuff out there about the message, the paraphrase, the message. If you're out there and the message offends you, Come up to me after the service and I'll forgive you. Now listen. People say, well, it takes the Bible and puts it in modern day language. Can I ask you a question? And I don't like it when it takes the Bible and puts it in modern language. What is preaching? I mean, do you guys want me to get up and just read the Bible to you? Or do you want me to read the Bible, and then go, here's what that means in your everyday life. <laughs> our Bible, or our battle, <laughs> Paul says, Paul says this is the message, uh, Romans 7, 21. Our battle with inconsistency is so predictable. Listen to this. Listen to this language. Our battle with inconsistency is so predictable. Who battles with inconsistency out there? And, and, and if you didn't raise your hand, you need to come up because you're lying. Okay. <laughs> Our battle with inconsistency is so predictable. Paul says, I know I will deal with it every morning as soon as I get up. He said, when I decide to do good, the sin principle rises up, and it's right there to make me stumble. He says, I love God's word. I honestly love God's law. But there are obviously parts of me that rebel against his word. Paul says, I'm often surprised by this side of me. He said, sometimes, man, it seems like it rules me. I put man in there. Sometimes, dude, it seems like it rules me. Paul says, this is that old wretched man that I am. The message puts it this way. I'm at a loss. I don't understand myself. He says, I wonder if anybody can really help me. So then with my mind, I believe the law. Everybody hold up your Bible. You got a Bible, hold it up. If it's on your phone, huddle up your phone. If it's on your iPad, hold up your iPad. If, it's, uh, if you got it uh, inscribed on tablets, hold the tablets up. 
So you can put it down now. But so he said, so with my mind, I believe the law of God and I even desire the law of God. But my flesh, with my flesh, he said, I serve the law of sin. So you're out there going, well, pastor, isn't the spirit stronger than the flesh? Yes. Yes. But we don't have the ability on this side of heaven to live in perfection. We're going to have wars. We're going to have stumbles. Here's the key. And then I, I'm, I'm going to close. I'm probably not even going to read all the scriptures that I've got here. Here, here let, me, let me just make this practical for you. And I know that we talked about getting the post-it notes and the WITS. Did anybody actually do that? You want to go, oh, good, good, good. So I want you to get the T-shirt. Uh, we're going to have those for you next weekend. And I want you to wear the T-shirt. And when you're not wearing it, I want you to hang it up in your house so you can see it. So you'll be reminded every day to walk in the Spirit. Now listen, I'm, I'm about to get real practical with you here. I'm, a, I'm about to talk to you about a way, it's not the only way, but a way that you can walk in the Spirit every day. You got to get up every morning and make a declaration that I'm going to walk in the Spirit. If God will help me, if God will remind me, if God will prompt me by his spirit throughout the day and remind me, and I will work my disciplines, I will pray through the day. I will whisper prayers through the day. I will steal away at work and pray. I will, I will have my time with God. I will do it. I, 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 may not be, I may not start off having 30 minutes with God, but i tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to set my alarm clock five minutes earlier, and I'm going to get up five minutes earlier than I usually do, and I'm going to spend that five minutes declaring to the Lord that I'm going to live for Him that day. Now, I'm not going to worry about yesterday, even if I messed up, because I can't go back and unmess it up. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, because, duh, it ain't here yet. But today, today I'm going to walk in the Spirit. And I'm going to hook up with some other people, and we're going to text each other day, every, all through the day going, wit, baby, wits. Are y'all with me? Stop texting some of that other mess you texted and text some W-I-T-S to your friend. Amen? Y'all with me? Now, we're just talking about some practical ways. We got, we got to hold each other accountable. You say, man, I don't know if I can do it. I love these people who tell me, I don't know, I can't control my temper. Pastor, I got bad temper. Yes, you can. Yes, you can control your temper. Because you'd be fussing and cussing at your house and I call over there and you pick up the phone and go, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord, Pastor. Amen. We were just having our time with the Lord. <laughs> Me and Millie fussing, fussing, Mitch, because they won't do right at my house. And so... Sometimes, you know, you just have one of them days, phone rings, hello. Don't tell me you can't. Yes, you can. You say, I know, but I don't have it. It's not really a discipline in my life. Well, you can develop disciplines. Did you know disciplines turn into desire? If you do them long enough. And desire turns into delight. If you do it long enough. So you get up in the morning. you got to have your priorities straight. This morning, i got to tell you, this morning was different for me. God woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning. <clears throat> Actually, I had to go to the bathroom. But then I think God kept me awake. <laughs> TMI. And so, so uh, I'd, I said, you know what? I'm awake. I'm going to do this thing first. I'm going to do it first. So I went and made a pot of coffee priorities <laughs> but you know what um, Millie didn't have to set her alarm clock to get up early enough to go honey before you go to the church don't forget to take a shower yes thank you so much don't forget to brush your teeth I love you baby because I was not going to do that 
I don't have to have anybody remind me about that. I didn't have to have anybody. When I woke up, the only people awake were me and my cats. And when I woke up, they didn't have to tell me to make coffee. I just went and made coffee because it is a delight for me. Y'all with me? So what you got to do, and this is getting very practical, and you're not going to find this in the Bible anyway, anywhere. I'm just trying to help you develop a strategy to walk in the Spirit. you got to set your alarm clock for five minutes early. You say, well, man, I just keep hitting that snooze button. I got the, re I got the remedy for that. Get five um, thumbtacks. Turn them upside down with the needles up. Put them on that and just glue them to that snooze button. I'm just trying to help you people. <clears throat> Do you all understand what I'm saying? Get up in the morning and make a declaration. Now, I, I want to give you something real quick. Um, I want you to look at, guys, can you in there go to Romans 6, 12? Go to Romans 6, 12. Do, yeah, go back to that other slide because I want to sort of demonstrate that. I, here's what you do in the morning. You're over here with your flesh. You want to you wanna walk away from your flesh every morning and come over here where God is, and you want to take, you want to create a, a relationship with God. You want to join sides with God against your flesh for that day. D did you hear me? I'm going to join with God against my flesh today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just do it today. Now go to Romans. Go to Romans. Um, 612. Is it 612? Yeah, Romans 612. Now, now notice here what Paul does. He puts the responsibility on. He says to Pharaoh Hardison, do not allow sin to reign. Do not allow. You say, well, wait, now I thought you said only the spirit. Yeah, but see, I got to choose that. I gotta, I've got I've I've to want the Holy Spirit to reign in my life more than I want sin to reign in my life enough that I'm willing to do what I need to do to make sure the Holy Spirit dwells richly in me. So Paul says, Pharaoh Hardison, you can put your name there, do not allow sin to reign in your mortal body uh, that you would obey its lusts. I love what the message says there. It says you must give, he says uh, in Romans 6, uh, 12, he says you must not even give sin a vote in the way you conduct your life. Don't even give sin a vote. Don't give it the time of day. This is the message. Don't even run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. Oh, I love this next part. Throw your, here's the problem with most people why they can't live in victory because they want to live with their foot halfway with God and their other foot halfway in the, in the world system in the lust of their flesh. Here's what he says. He says, throw yourself wholeheartedly into this relationship with God. Throw yourself full time into this relationship with God. Remember that you've been raised from the dead. Throw it into God's way. Throw yourself into God's way of doing things. He says, sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny anymore. You're living in the freedom of God. Look what it says in the Amplified Bible. Go to the next one. Amplified Bible says, do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members to sin. Who's it talking to there? Everybody say me. He's talking to you. Do not offer. Do not continue offering. You know what? When you get up in the morning, you decide whether you get up and decide, I'm going to follow the, the Spirit or I'm going to follow. The, you're going to follow something that day. But the reason you say, well, why do I have to get up then and declare that I'm going to follow the Spirit? Uh, well, I don't declare that I'm going to follow the flesh, but I, because that's the current. That, that's the natural flow. When you decide you're going to follow God, you've got to set yourself to follow God. You got to turn. You're turning away. You're going against the flow. You're going against the tide. Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to life and your bodily members to God. Presenting them. This is that morning thing. You wake up in the morning and say, God, I present to you myself as an implement of righteousness, a vessel of righteousness. And the only way I'm going to be used as a vessel of righteousness is if you fill me full of your Holy Spirit for this day. 
That's good preaching right there. Next slide. He says uh, in Romans 8, 13, if you're living according to the flesh, how, how serious is this business? How, how serious is this thing of, of following the spirit or following the flesh? He said, if you live according to the flesh, you, that's pretty serious. But if you live by the spirit, then you are putting to death the deeds of the body and you will. I love living, baby. Go to the next one. Next uh, verse is Ephesians. I love this. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to quit doing your former way of life. He says, here's what I've taught you about your former way of life. Put off your old self. Everybody say, dear Lord, help me put off my old self. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And Lord, help me to be made new in the attitude of my mind. And help me, everybody said out loud, put on the created to be in true and booyah. Father, we can't do this. What I've preached in this house today, we can't do it. I can't do it. I need you. If I'm going to live victoriously over sin, I need you. If I'm going to be able to not live according to the desires and lusts of my flesh, I've got to have your spirit in me. If I'm going to be the man you want me to be, I've got to have your spirit in me. If I'm going to live out what I preach, I've got to have your spirit overflowing in me. If I'm going to not give in to the lusts and desires of my flesh, I've got to have your help. I can't do this. I can't do this. Somebody's sitting here right now going, man, I can't do that. Absolutely, you're exactly right. You can't. But if you will walk in the spirit, God will enable you. He will enable you. To live a life that honors God. He will enable you to, to practice throughout the day acts of love that honor Him and reveal Him to people. We are so desperate for you. Church, we just stand on your feet. We're so desperate for you today, Lord. I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes right there. And I want you to just say to God... Just in your own way, you don't have to say it out loud. Just, write, just say, God, I am desperate for you. I am so dependent on you. And Lord, I've been trying to live with uh, one foot in the world and one foot in church. And God, I want to throw myself wholeheartedly into loving you and serving you today. Thank you for this message today, God. Not because I preached it, but because it's your word. Change us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, guys, here's what we're going to do because of time. We've got prayer team members that are going to be here. We've got staff members that are going to be here. We're ready to pray for you. If this message touched your heart, don't leave until we get a chance to pray for you today. We want to introduce you to Christ. We want to pray over your family. We want to help you any way we can. Visitors and guests, thank you for coming today. Make sure you go out to the tent. Pick up your free gift before you go home. God bless you guys. I love you.